We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Start the recording. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls podcast. My name is Terry Smith. With me today I have Shar. Hello. And I have Lissa. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't know for the uninitiated this podcast is where we cover all the D&D and other TTRPG news and developments, game supplements that are being released, tragedies and problematic activity at Gen Con specifically and lots of other things okay. like that this week let's jump right into the games and supplements corner and talk about all the new things coming our way when it comes to TTRPGs. First up, last week we talked about some games that were just giving up, throwing in the towel, switching over to 5e. And I have another one this week. Uh, the One Ring is switching over to uh, D&D 5e. It's just, they just they also said, fuck it. If you don't know, Legends of the Five Rings uh, said it last week. They were like, you know what? We're a 5e game now. And now the One Ring, which if you don't know the One Ring, that's one of the many Lord of the Rings um ttrpgs um one of the more popular ones and one of the more reverent ones people like actually like that game there's been several but people really like this one but now it's a fifth edition game which uh we talked about all the pitfalls and the positives of just switching over to somebody else's system uh i know how Chardet feels about lord of the rings lissa what do you think about having this now more available to fifth edition players I mean, I've been eyeing the One Ring as a system up until now. I mean, I, last time I went to the game store, I, I looked at it and was like, mm, one day when I have money, mm. you know. <laughs> uh, what do I think that it's now 5e? Uh, well, I mean, it's easier to get into, I guess, but I still am kind of intrigued to try the original the One Ring. Cause yeah. I, yeah, the older version. Is it more accessible? I haven't played the older version, so I couldn't tell you. But um, <sighs> I, 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 I don't know what to say. Like, I didn't try the older version, but I, I love that there's more Lord of the Rings content. But again, I, I do like original game design, and I w like when people do things differently. Whether or not it was good or bad differently, I can't tell you. But. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I mean, is it more accessible? Probably yes now. Like, the system mm. wasn't super complicated by any means. It wasn't, like, unplayable. But when you just think yeah. about how easy 5th edition is for people to get into and how well yeah. it's... It, and I, I hesitate to say that 5th edition's easier than every other system. It's not. I've played much easier systems. D6 systems yeah. are easier. But the ubiquity of 5th edition and everyone knowing the rules and understanding, you roll a 20 on it, you do the thing. You roll a 1 on it, you don't do the thing, you know? And, and, the, and at this point, it's very widespread. So yeah. even if it's not accessible, it's widespread. So a lot of people have tried it. Exactly. They have that knowledge, the benefit right? And detriment of, you know, 5e. So, yeah. So it, it's accessible in that. I feel like uh, most people or have tried 5e versus other versions. Exactly. It's just more yeah. well known by by yeah. comparison. Um I'm trying to hunt down my PDF for the one ring to see where I bought it from see if I can 
share the license if not i'll just send you a copy because it's pretty cheap and i'm guessing the older older versions are only going to get cheaper as this newer one's coming out um but uh i've played it i'd be down to try it out with you if we want to do like a one shot or something in lord of the rings it'd be fun absolutely Um, especially with the tv show coming out i'm excited you know let's do a side right now so you're the first person i've talked to who loves lord of the rings and is excited about um the ring of power I, I i don't know anybody who's like down on it no i don't hang out with people who are like oh elves can't be black or any of those people who are mad about that mm. shit or i think it was maybe dwarves i don't know people are dumb and racist and don't like it because of that but the, a lot of the people yeah. that i haven't talked to they just like the trailers haven't gone oh hey this is why you should like lord of the rings the ring of power um no. why are you excited about it is it just because it's more lord of the rings it's more Lord of the Rings content. It's yeah. more story. It's more myth. It's more lore. It's more. It's just yes. More. It's it's it, it's just more Lord of the Rings content. But it's also opening it up in a way that's also including people who maybe Tolkien would not have included because, well, we all know that Tolkien wrote about white people because he grew up around white people and specifically white men because he went to like an all all boys school or something i've never heard that it's mostly men in lord of the rings that's well not, uh... i mean it's, he's, <laughs> he he went to an all boys school so i have read that it's like you write about what you know and that he writes <laughs> he his, did not like, know women really well and then he has like token women and they're not like that uh you can count on one hand yeah they're not fleshed out they're not three dimensional they're not fleshed out no but you can count on one hand the amount of women that get to say things in the lord of the rings and in the hobbit it's literally easier it's none yeah it's not well they edited it they added some more in there and then the the movies changed some things (laughs) yeah some (laughs) things by some things i mean i didn't recognize the story from the movies because i have i did see the movies and i was like Wait, I don't remember any of this happening. It's because it didn't happen. No, a lot of that's from the Silmarillion. Yeah. Yeah, they stretched out into three movies, which was complete. They didn't need to do that. The Hobbit was literally a cartoon children's movie years yeah. ago, and that's The Hobbit. Like, that is word for word what the book is. But yeah. no, they just had to make another trilogy because capitalism. And, you know, like, the thing is, is what you can see the pieces in that first Hobbit movie. I really like the first Hobbit yeah. movie. It left out a lot of stuff because they were trying to set it up to add the other things. But, like, when you see, like, Bilbo doing the riddle off with Gollum, I'm like, this is so cool. And this is what I was excited. I love the Hobbit book. Like, the, the, that book, I, I like Lord of the Rings okay. Um, I've read better books since is usually my argument. But I still think they're good and they're fun to read. Um, but the Hobbit specifically, I was like, oh, this will be such a cool adaptation and one that I can show my kids. And they just decided mm-hmm. not to do that. But those few scenes work so well. I'm like, why wasn't – you can tell that Peter Jackson was yeah. like, no, no, no. This is going to be – I'm just going to do one more little jaunt. And they were like, no, no, no. We need trilogy money, damn it. Uh, yeah. But it, – so it's just a little disappointed. But some of those scenes are still really fun. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So they're bringing it to fifth edition, which is cool. Um, in some ways, it'll definitely get more friend. Like I've tried to get my friends that are really into Lord of the Rings, but not into D and D, into the One Ring. And the one thing was, they're like, "Yeah, but D and D is easier." Um, so if it was in that system, but with Lord of the Rings stuff, I would have a better time. Um, so yeah, it's fair. yeah, so it's just it's exciting that them. they'll be able to do it. Yeah. 
Uh, I prefer the non-consolidation, as we've talked about. I keep all the games their own things, but 5th Edition is just easier for a lot of people, and more people will check out that license with it being in 5th Edition. That's just the truth. That's just how math yeah. works. So, sadly, that is the case. Uh, moving on, uh, because we could talk about this and Lord of the Rings probably all day in one way or another. Um, let's jump to another thing. So the Free League is reincarnating Sweden's first TTRPG as Mirth and Mayhem role-playing game Dragon Bane. This comes from Dicebreaker, who writes this article. Let me scroll up. Uh, Chase Carter um, over at Dicebreaker writes the article. Uh, I'll just read it verbatim for a little while and you two stop me. <laughs> Free League Publishing Sounds announced great. a new tabletop RPG at Gen Con that harkens back to the beginning of the hobby in Sweden. Dragonbane, a reimagining of the influential Drakkar Ock Demoner? I, I, only, <laughs> I can only read We can get English. Lissa to try to yeah. that. We'll launch a crowdfunding campaign at the end of August. The Swedish publisher dropped the news as part of its Gen Con Indie 2022 appearance. Lissa, do any of the words I was saying sound familiar or interesting? <laughs> uh, I mean, I can try Drakar Och Demoner. Thank I, you. That's as close as I'll get to ever. It sounds much better than when I said it, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dragon Bane, if you don't know, classic fantasy RPG, magic setting, dark fantasy, from what I understand in my... In my uh, tertiary googling i don't know too much about it but some of the people behind it have worked on other things so they were working on the alien rpg uh, mutant year zero and the upcoming blade runner rpg which people really dig all of the things that both of those systems were doing i haven't heard too much about year zero but i know people like that license so they have some cachet behind them um it's just exciting again the the non-monopolization of fantasy and ttrpgs is really cool and you get way more uh variety in the gameplay if there's multiple systems out there so this is just exciting and it's kind of cool to see it coming from not an american team you know is is a, a big portion of why i check out so many other games yeah that does sound interesting like from a scandy team like yeah. a scandy take on like D D with nordic horror does it say yeah yeah Are we reading the article? Is that is it got real quiet all of a sudden? <laughs> Skimming through the article. <laughs> yeah, like they talk about like grim danger, mirth and mayhem. Um, is what they call like the style of playing. So I'm guessing a little bit darker, a little bit more dangerous, a little bit of that dark soulsy. Um, hey, there's some risk involved here. I think is a big portion I of mean, it. From like knowing what the, I would I would say Swedes, but. <laughs> what Scandinavia is known for in TV is, like, those very typical, like, um, kind of, like, crime shows, like, Nordic, I guess it's called Nordic Noir, or, yeah, and yeah. It, it's, like, that very, like, or the, I think the most famous ones are The Killing, yes. um, which is based yes. on the original the Swedish, killing. Swedish, Danish one, and, yeah, and, and sort of, like, that very whole um dark forest dark kind of uh, crime shows where they go and investigate murders and things and it's like <laughs> it's all it's whole theme and my mom is like into that whole to say what is theme. it with the moms of those true crime true, quote unquote true crime noir shows 
That is all my mom is into. Same. Like, very big on true crime and specifically like Nordic noir. True crime is very much her thing. I showed her Broadchurch and the Killing because she grew up with like Law and Order and In the Heat of the Night, a lot of like the American ones. And I was showing yeah. e- showing her some of these from like overseas. She's like, "Holy fuck, these are so good." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but but yeah like it does kind of capture that darker sensibility when it comes to the tone at least of it yeah so i'm Um, just imagining like the killing but in uh, a tabletop (laughs) role-playing game watch how watch this be so wrong like it's just something it's kind of like wheel of time it's like it's a little bit darker of a setting and it's not (laughs) it's not this like true crime setting you're like no 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 this is what we've signed up for (laughs) uh Lissa, I have a present for you in your um, uh, email inbox. Let me know when it arrives. It's definitely not a PDF of a check. game. It's it's Ooh. still uploading. <laughs> I did I did own it. I check? had to buy a second copy because it said I wasn't allowed to distribute the PDF, and I try not to be that guy. Oh, don't be that guy. Listen, I, I'm not going to lie. In my younger days, pirating was not something I was that concerned about. But then you get a little bit older and you're like, people have to fucking make money and survive off shit, you know? Yeah. We all, I mean, we're, we're millennials. We all grew up with, like, LimeWire. Right. Yeah. Torrenting, just in better. general. And, Pirate um, Bay. If he, you know, if the government's listening, I'm just, it's just a joke. none of us ever pirated ever anything ever i'm sorry i said limewire i don't even know what that is napster never heard morpheus kazaa i have no idea what any of these words mean Uh, i did not buy pirated dvds in china nope no definitely i I definitely didn't have the 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 weird um chinese dubbed uh martial arts movies that i bought from like a thrift store Um, i did not watch the first three seasons of supernatural on put locker <laughs> i haven't heard someone say put locker out loud since i was in college before netflix listen this is listen. like so I mean, allegedly i was on allegedly a podcast one allegedly. time and porn came up as a, as a topic oh, and up, then up, as it does as it does as one does right um and then someone talked about yeah but what about sex scenes from movies and me and my friends said daily motion at the same time oh my god <laughs> and it was it was simultaneously embarrassing but so validating that there was somebody that was like no no, no we're on the same page here but it was just so funny it was captured on an old podcast i did it's probably still out there on the internet somewhere oh my god um, if you want to look up the Cave Trolls podcast, not Cave Trolls, Cave Trolls podcast, if it's still out there somewhere. Um, but, <laughs> but man, like, when you think of, like, millennial internet, uh, we've, we've aged out so far from it. Yeah, everyone still watches porn, but the way we watched porn in the day was so different. <laughs> Totally different. Uh, anyways, moving on. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, the next RPG in the RPG corner is a Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity-inspired found footage RPG is coming our way. Um, this comes from Alex Bian over at Dicebreaker. They're just they're all, most of these stories are Dicebreaker or just Twitter this week. In case you're going, hey, normally there's other stories on here. I'm like, well, they had the shit covered this week, okay? Um, <laughs> they, they do. So hunt for your missing friend with nothing but a camera in the found footage film inspired tabletop role playing game, The Devil in New Jersey. 
Inspired by the classic found footage horror films, which are filmed primarily using handheld cameras. Again, Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, and Wreck. I've never seen Wreck. People always tell me to watch it because I love horror stuff, but I've never, I've never gotten around to it. Um, what I'm interested in is, yeah, sure, the setting, you know, the the Jersey Devil and all that stuff in the Pine Barrens. People know about that stuff. I want to know what the system actually is. It uses the three, two, one action system, which you two hmm. are gonna are gonna love this system. Um, let me bring up. So it uses a D10, and then you describe the consequences of the actions. So it's kind of like kind of like cthulhu or D, but with a little bit more of like a mm-hmm. narrative scape to it um okay. so a little bit more improv based uh i've played three two one a couple different ways and uh i played another game that was the three two one system mixed with rock paper scissors uh oh. okay so, yeah it's very fun for like improv stuff very easy to play while you're drinking uh, is sometimes D and D is not easy to play exactly. Games. That's why that's why I like specifically brought up like let me bring up why I actually love this game. Have you ever had too much bourbon but still wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that's why this comes up. Same reason why the the rock paper sister system uh, comes up because you can still do it while drunk. Will you do it successfully? No, but you can still play the game. Uh. Uh, You switch through a lot of different scenes, so it kind of sets up like a movie narrative anyways. Um, Another one that I used in congruence with 321 was Dread, if you two have ever heard of Dread. Heard of Dread. Mm. I feel like Dread was played on Will Wheaton's old show. 100% it was. Um, That's where I learned about Dread back in the day. Tabletop. Tabletop. Yeah, I was playing on Tabletop. Fucking love Tabletop back in the day. Uh, I miss Tabletop. And you just, most of those people made their money and got out. You know, like once. uh, It was so sad. Yeah, once uh, uh, What's Her Face's company uh, left, I can't think of. What was it called? Help me out. Uh, Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry, thank you. By yeah. Discovery, and then I think Legendary. Legendary, Legendary bought it at the same Legendary. time as they bought uh, Nerdist. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I think that was around the time the tabletop stopped, which is so sad. Exactly. I, was, I love that show. Me too. But so the people that don't know, Dread, just another system. Let me just throw out 15 systems at you. Dread is like playing D&D, but instead of dice, you have a Jenga tower. And if you have to do oh, something yeah, that could, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if there's going to be consequences, you got to pull a block. And if the tower Ooh. falls, you die. Mm-hmm. And it is a very fun system to play. Very good for like horror oriented stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So like as it ramps up, there's less blocks. So like you start out with like, oh, we need to unlock the door to the point yeah. where at the end, it's yeah. like Jason's chasing you with a machete. Pull a block. You know, it, it's really Ouch. cool for that ramp up. Um... I, I love that game. I played it recently with my mom and my nephew and my wife. Uh, we played like a werewolf themed um, like backpacking one, and it was a really good time. I did propose three, two, one action as well as the rock paper scissors, and they landed on dread. So, but I, of I the two options they picked number three. Exactly, exactly. But this is still cool. Like just to bring it back around, um, seeing stuff that's a little bit more themed. I I think that's always a good call. Um, I talk about it a lot because I, 
I do work for a design company. Um, it, it's owned by me. It's not super legitimate, but we work on making board games. And one of the things that we come up with a lot when we lean into more RPG elements is that you really got to have that the Ludo narrative like sinking. Like you have to have the story match the gameplay elements when it comes to RPGs, because otherwise you're building a generic toolbox system, something like GURPS or Cortex. Um, and that's great for GMs, terrible for players. Players love when the mechanics build into what they're playing. So that's why D&D works so well, is the stats and the spells all go in. And when you try to reskin those, sometimes it doesn't work. So if you make a yeah. game from the ground up for a very specific niche, like this is a found footage horror game, built with these mechanics because we think that's what works best i think you end up with a really cool game that people will pick up maybe not as often as a generic game or not as often as something like DD. but when you want to run a found footage rpg game you're not going to go to DD. you're going to pick up the devil in new jersey right yeah yeah that makes that sense seems like it's way more made mm -hmm. for it so that that's exciting i think that's all we have for the games and supplements let me double check the list let's see we covered oh there's a new dnd's beholder um supplement called big eye chungus I heard about that. I read about that. Yeah, <laughs> I just love the name. I love beholders. I, I love that's that's why it also crossed my path because I was like, wait, big chunk. And I'm like, yeah, is it a big chunk? I hope it's it big. is. It is a big it eye is. chungus. If you click yeah. on the article from Dicebreaker Shar, there's a really good image for it. Um, this also comes from Alex Meehan. Prepare to encounter a rogues gallery of beholders, the classic Dungeons and Dragons monster in the tabletop role-playing game supplement, Big Eye Chungus. So it's really self-explanatory. This is a book full of different beholders and additional lore and stats for the beholders. It's basically a little bestiary with a few adventures if you want more beholders in your game. Um, it's, it's really cool. It's got some cool tables in there, which is what I found, which is like, if you want to damage the beholder specifically or have it do specific things, or if you just want lots of different ones to pop up in your game, that's really what it's good for. Um, I'll put the link in the description so you can go pick that up if you want. It's got a Kickstarter campaign. I think it starts at $15 or maybe 10 might be. Yeah. If you want a digital version, you can pick it up for 10. So that's it's pretty reasonable for a supplement with that many pages. Specifically, if you want beholders, it's again it kind of fills a very specific niche. Um, I, don't, I don't see everybody needing that at your table, but if you've played for a while, like I own one that's just gelatinous cubes because we talked about it a few weeks ago, and I was like, I need more gelatinous cubes in my life, so I found a couple supplements that were just gelatinous Hell cubes. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that's it for the games and supplements corner. Go buy all of them or none of them. I'm not your mom. Do what you want. Now we're going to jump into some serious news. Let's talk about Gen Con and some of the fucked up stuff that's happening at yet another convention. Are any mm. conventions just fun and wholesome? I feel like... No. I feel like at some point there were some that were okay. Like, I think of like some of the Dragon Con stuff was just mm -hmm. like, hey, like, it's a pretty good time, not a lot of harassment, and we fuck at night. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, I don't want to go, but good for you guys. Like, everyone's on the same page. You know, that's really good. That's, that's yeah. you know, that's, that's a reasonable convention. Good for you, boo. 
And then after, I mean, it was bad before COVID too, but after COVID, everything is just like, no, 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 none of the good parts. (laughs) Like, (laughs) everyone's getting sick. Everyone's being harassed. uh, And they were always being harassed. This is not something that's new. But now you can also get, you know, the plague. Yeah. So it's another added fun time layer. Exactly. Which you gotta love. So, Mm -hmm. Lissa, can you tell us about Gen Con? I mean, from what I saw on the Twitter sphere, so a couple different things were happening, but I think the most prominent one was that apparently there's been some sort of a a hack or people's private information has been leaked. Of course. Because a bunch of people on Twitter started getting um, not only voice calls but or phone calls emails tweets like text messages saying all kinds of various things including racist uh and sexist and disgusting comments uh insinuating all kinds of various things to i i read somebody's uh like 80 year old grandmother got phone calls or something like that's not even just that's not even personal anymore. That's or or that is like that's, that's so much personal, more personal right? than just the person attending Gen Con. Yeah. Getting calls, tweets, phone calls, text messages. That's that's going above and beyond and apparently they they said that they were or it was said in some of the instances that they were some kind of security or working oh for Gen Con, which or or they Apparently, I'd also read that they were like masking themselves as other people who were, uh, who had them their own like accounts hacked, or it looked like it was coming from somebody else. And then when you know you screenshot, you show it up, and then mm-hmm. you find out that this person was also trolled and attacked, and uh, I guess got their account hacked or something. Or they made it look like it was coming from. So it was like running around and people running around in circles trying to find out who who the hell was uh, the cause of all this. And it's just, I don't know, like this whole fiasco and it absolutely horrible messages for like, yeah, just to people who were not attending Gen Con and who got these messages. Or phone calls and i just i how does this happen like how do you not have better security of people's information because data is everything in this day and age like you mm-hmm. somebody attending gen con should be able to give sign up with the information that stays with the company so it doesn't get leaked to I don't know, different groups of people who would attack, you know, minorities or certain genders or whatever it is, but... Anyone, really. Like, that's the thing, like, this is... This is goers, which I think is worse, but it's also just not not better at all. But, like, in the past, we've seen it happen a lot at Comic-Con, where a lot of, um like uh journalists and other people and guests of the con having their information leaked which is not better or worse Mm -hmm. it's just also bad but at least it makes sense why they would have that information why are attendees having to give up this information like your phone number like what why is that necessary other than for data mining and to sell people's information and to send newsletters and shit that's unnecessary and now you're not even being safe with it 
Like, there's almost no cause for this to happen, even past like, oh, you're 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 not taking cybersecurity responsibly. You're not you're not taking it serious. Um, but even before that, it's like, why was having that information necessary for people attending? They have a ticket. Yeah, I I don't even know like where would you get somebody's grandmother's phone number? So is this just from Gen Con or is this data mining from I don't know like the black market or something? It's a little bit of both. Like you know you sign yeah, up for like, your ticket, then, like, you put down your home phone number, and that's where your grandma is. It's you know, a shit very like that. excessive method of going to target people who are specifically going to Gen Con. And, and like listen, it's not like we're not also mad at the hackers, right? That's fucked up too. It's just, I mean, yeah. hackers gonna hack, right? People are bad. The point is, is the convention should protect the people from going there. They shouldn't have to worry about that when they're attending. And in fact, like, when, so I had pulled some people recently about going to these and people feel comfortable. This was probably about three months ago now um, because I had a chance. I was going to set up a panel. There was a local comic book convention. And I wanted to know, should I go sell my comic book? And people were like, it's not worth it. I'm not going to stuff like this anymore. I'd rather just find out about shit on Twitter or whatever. And it's because of things like this, right? Like there's always been nefarious actors, but now the people in power that are running events are no longer protecting them in any sort of way. You know, you have shootings, you have disease, and you have cybersecurity hacks, and no one feels safe yeah. in any of the regards when going to these places now. And yeah, and it's just not fair. There's just a bunch of stuff that happens at, at cons anyway because people are always going to be people, and sure. when you have alcohol and stuff like that, things happen. So there's, like, the, the general stuff going on. Then there's the pandemic. Then there's this on top of it. And then at the end of the day, it's like d the pros and cons of do I go and how will this impact me and the people around me because these things, any of these things could happen. Exactly. Uh, it's just so unfortunate when there, there's already there's already so many things people have to worry about like consent is such a big issue when it goes to coming to these cons because people see a sexy cosplayer and they go oh i'm allowed to touch them yeah. i'm allowed to talk to them i'm mm -hmm. allowed to approach them you know like it, it's there's already such uh yeah. fear from people attending we're like they, they're not allowed to dress how they want because they're sickos that want to bother them and now you like like you don't even have to just worry about those normal things. Now you have to worry about being hacked the next day. Like, yeah, it's just so frustrating, and it's honestly it's ruined going to any of those things for any reason for me for a long time. Like I was afraid of this before it was an issue. Um, so now it's like there's so many people who are like, why would you ever go? Why would you go? It's not worth it to meet up with like-minded individuals because of all of the consequences that can happen. I think the only reason, and I've, I've seen this for a while, even before all this Gen Con stuff happened, I saw a lot of discourse on Twitter specifically about people who didn't see the need to go to cons currently just because of the panini right. in general, because so many cons have lifted their mask mandates, they don't check for vaccination cards, and it's it's just a bad move because it's going to be a super spreader event and then you have all of this stuff on top of it being a super spreader event so it's it's just confusing why you would even the only reason i could ever think about going is to like promote the podcast like as a business move and even as a business move does it make sense right and that Does was the, the that was the thing with the comic audience, book 
yeah, does the new audience that you're going to get, is that going to outweigh your safety? And especially for like Lissa and I, like the two of us going to a con terrifies me because we talk about a lot of very controversial stuff and we're pretty gung-ho and we stand by what we're talking about. But the risk in going to a place like this is it's it doesn't like we're aware of it or at least I'm aware of it that we could be targets for something exactly like this whether it's getting doxxed or getting hacked getting just physical assault you know you you yeah. outward like for some re- people I say people yeah. like it's everybody but way too many people like the fact that you say that you're mm-hmm. a feminist podcast just gives yeah, them a license exactly. to assault you in their minds mm-hmm. and no. whether that's verbally or physically it doesn't matter so on top of that now you'd have to worry about being hacked because your information was available in a way that it wasn't before you know not mm-hmm. just like no longer like having some sort of anonymity but it's the exact mm-hmm. opposite you're giving up your information to attend it's not worth it and yeah and it sucks because i've been to one common con in my life and that was mcm in okay. london and it was – I loved going. I, I had a really good experience. So, like, I, after, before this happened, like, I'd, I'd, of course, heard about horror stories about specifically women and um, people of color being harassed for a lot of things. And I was really scared going to that con, but none of that happened to me. Thank God. So I was like, okay, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe I'll start going to cons more often because there's a lot of really cool stuff. There's a lot of independent artists there. There's yeah. a lot of independent like comic people, authors, artists. There's a lot of people there that you wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. And I thought, and I also got a tattoo there, which I thought was super fucking cool. <laughs> and <laughs> I always say the, the only time I've ever gone to a con, an actual like con con, not a con for tattoos. I got just a random tattoo at a MCM once. It's a great story so i had a nice time but now all of this stuff has just cemented my earlier fears of cons and it sucks because i think the messaging behind it and getting all these like-minded people together it's a great message and it's a great place to advertise it's a great place to meet up but all of these assholes are ruining it for everybody else these hackers and even people who are running the convention not giving proper cybersecurity and security to the people not only who they're hosting but the people that are just there it's also on them well it's so corporatized it's so now exciting. right like you have these the for-profit companies yeah. which is fine like we live in a capitalist society i'm not going to knock them for trying to get their bag yeah. but the problem is, is when you go for your the 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 purse strings rather than the people there it's going to start to counteract like we already saw that with things like e3 right like people are like e3 doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit about people then we don't give a shit about e3 and the companies can do their own you know you're going to see yeah. that with these other like smaller cons not just comic-con but the smaller ones because a lot of them started with hey we just want to be around like-minded people we just want everyone yeah. who likes comic books to get together we just want people who like anime to be able to meet each other because we live in the midwest mm-hmm. and then you get these large corporations who don't give a shit and they start to care too much about the money and not taking those other things seriously and mm-hmm. it's just gonna the sad part of it is just going to end the con it's not going to yeah. do anything else but go hey we're just not going to do this then yeah yeah, that's the 
exactly it. Yeah, it's corporate corporate greed isn't the only factor, but it's like one of the biggest ones. Right. For sure. Right. And and again, like you know, probably what's gonna happen is they're gonna die down for a few years, and when we get some sort of hold over a, a lot of the diseases, <laughs> some of the violence. And apparently yeah. cybersecurity, we're gonna they're gonna come back. They're gonna come back in a bigger force. It, it happens, you know. These things wax and wane. But right now, as people who own a company, people who have an audience, it's just not a priority for us, which sucks because I think if we did this a few years ago, it would have been right. Yeah, and I think that um, I think cons as we know it, and this might be kind of a bold statement to make. I'm not 100 percent sure if I stand by it, but like from what I've just been seeing happening in general, I'm getting the impression that cons as we know it right now are dying and they're going to be quiet for a while. And then like you said, they're going to have a rebirth and hopefully that rebirth isn't sticking their heels in the mud and saying we are gung ho about um, all of the corporate stuff. Hopefully it'll be a renaissance and it'll be um, we are putting people and safety and passion for like-minded individuals first and i hope that's the lesson they learned from this i don't know if it is but i hope that it is well i don't think it's a lesson that they can they're gonna have a chance to learn i think it's gonna be forced upon them it's a seize the means of production type situation yeah the the for-profit of it all is gonna fail you already seen that with the company that owns comic-con on the west coast like it's already a different thing like the the amount of money that was thrown behind it is no longer the amount of money that is feasible to be thrown because the companies that go and the amount of tickets they can sell are not congruent and the same thing happened with e3 Mm -hmm. e3 announced they're gonna come back next year because that that's when they think like we can get companies behind it and people to go again so we're already seeing that a little bit what's going to happen is we're going to see that grassroots movement again we're probably going to see smaller groups making their own cons where safety can be regulated and people can know that it's going to be a good time not just a time period right like (laughs) yeah yeah so i i I have faith that that's going to come back around but for now that's just not something you're gonna see us at right yeah no not for a a while i wish i (laughs) i like i want to meet people like i want to meet our listeners i want to meet like-minded people but like the risks are too high currently the rent is too damn high it's too damn high. Yeah. And, and like, you're right. Like that is such a cool thing. Like uh, when I was first coming up w- with my comic book stuff, I had talked to some other local artists who have made it like people who are like working in the industry. And and I was like, Hey, are cons worth it? They're like, it used to be, it used to be the place to go. If you want to become a writer an artist, if you want to break into comics, you hit the con scene. Cause you can meet other like-minded people and branch out. You can make new fans. You can meet your current fans and really connect. And now when I talk to them, there's like, fuck no, I don't go to any of them. Like, unless they pay me and not because like I need to get the money, but because it's not worth it in almost any way. And yeah. it sucks to, to see that it's not just one industry, right? It's not just Comic-Cons. It's all of them, like, across the board are suffering in this way because – and I, you, you can blame them, right? It's their fault for a lot of these things. It's also people. It's also where, especially yeah, exactly. in America, where fandoms are at, right? I mean, fandoms are everywhere, but America is so densely populated. And right. I meant, like, fandoms, like, where we're at in our fandoms. Not necessarily that, that fandoms are only here. More like what fandoms in America look like. I mean, what yeah, fandoms everywhere look like. That's and fair. how right. how they stick together and 
only their viewpoint is acceptable and anything else outside of it is like garbage and you should feel bad for having garbage yeah. thoughts and yeah. like How i i also them? i don't remember who i was having this conversation with it might have been Lisa. it might have been somebody else but i had who a recent conversation about yeah, sure, day. Who else do you talk to? The dolls in this corner of the room and the dogs that you babysit do not count as people. <laughs> I would never have a terrifying porcelain doll. <laughs> I, I, picture, I picture it looking at you, like turning its creepy head as you say this. No, thank you. I hate horror. I would never associate it. I'm sorry. Like Continue your conversation. <laughs> I apologize. But we were, I was talking with somebody, I'm pretty sure it was Lissa, about fandoms specifically and about how the larger fandoms yeah. grow, mm -hmm. the more toxic they inevitably become. And it's never because the, whatever people are a fan of is necessarily bad. It's just when things grow too big, you're going to have more bad apples. They don't represent the entire fandom, but because it's so big and because, you know, when all the good people in a fandom grow, sometimes the shitty people also grow. Those shitty people just have are just a little bit higher in number if it was a small fandom. I think we so, did an episode on this, didn't we? When we were talking about some of the maybe. bad actors in like the Critical Role fandom and people yeah, being upset about their probably. growth and like yeah, w like exponential mm -hmm. growth means the exponential possibility for drama yeah. with other. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean everybody. Yeah, it doesn't mean everybody who likes that thing and who identifies as being in that fandom is bad. It's just that it's so big that they just have a bunch of bad apples in it. And unfortunately, when things like cons, because they're a lot bigger now, and things like Gen Con, which started out really small, and now it's huge um, in a very specific community, of course, they're going to be more bad apples. It's kind of the same, almost the same kind of logic. And they're ruining it for everybody else who's just there to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's one of like the few things I, I always hated growing up. I was in the punk scene. And whenever someone would find success, people would yell at them about selling out. And I'm like, we should yeah. want them to succeed. We should want American Idiot yeah. to be the biggest album mm -hmm. ever for Green Day because we liked Green Day. Like, good for them, yeah. right? Like, good for punk. Good for more bands to come up, right? But then there's the aspect, too, of when something gets big, you're introducing the corporate entities to it and them going, oh, hey, dollar signs are there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when dollar signs are there... That means bigger audience and more complications. So I understand that aspect of the small thing that you love can be tainted by a larger group of people. But it, as much as we talked about how shitty this is and that I don't blame the growth 100%, right? I love that there's so many people that want to go to these cons. It's really cool when you talk about comic books and Comic-Con and, and all the anime conventions that there's just more people that can get together. That part is so cool. I'm just upset that these bad things are ruining it because it does make growth look bad, right? It does yeah. emphasize that hipster mentality of, oh, I was in there before it was cool and it was way better back. Their first album was so much better than their second album. You know, like it does <laughs> I, it just it, st it starts to ruin it a little bit and it sucks because mm -hmm. i've always been on the mindset more people liking the thing that i like is awesome because i like that thing i want more people to like it i want more of that thing because the more people that like comic books i get more comic books you know like th that aspect is so cool i want to share my love with other people when it comes to those things and it there are just there are so many different growing pains that go along with it that sometimes it's tough to invite yeah. a new element 
<sighs> I mean, when you set something up, you do want to grow it. You do want to make it bigger. You do want to bring it to more people because more people equals uh, more uh, success, not only for you, but it like increases the the fan base and yeah, the you want more people right? to enjoy the product but with yeah as you said like it, it also makes it more commercial it also brings it to a bigger sphere of people so not just your niche audience so if you branch out and then you get a bigger audience so and then yeah it it just becomes a bigger project and then it's harder to control and then you know you have the people that become super fanatics and start gatekeeping and girl bossing and you know <laughs> all that good stuff i i my favorite Definitely. thing recently like i've been trying to get more on twitter to react more with our fan base with your fan base and like just people in general just trying to get out of my bubble a little bit and my favorite thing i've been seeing is the anti-gatekeeper so you have somebody who wants to gatekeep say like a comic book show like oh why didn't they adapt it one from one and they'll make some sort of incorrect knock against the project. And then you have the people who are actual fans who did read the original thing going, yeah, yeah. tell us you, you didn't read it without telling us you didn't read it. And they point out the 15 instances where that thing was valid in the original book. And it, so as much as gatekeeping sucks, I love that there are people that are like-minded with us, which is like, hey, anybody can like the thing. Like Metallica did that recently yeah. with... Uh, uh, Stranger Things and Master of Puppets getting really big again. A lot of gatekeepers were like, oh, can you name five songs from that album? You know, all of that shit. And Metallica was doing TikToks left and right. And we were like, hey, more people like our music. They're allowed to like our music. Everyone's album was their first album, you know? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shit happens. Grow the fuck up. Like, we're, like, you don't own this stuff. It's Other people are allowed to like it, too. Exactly, and I think Neil Gaiman put it really well because um, yeah, that's what I well, was referring to. I'm so glad yeah, that yeah, yeah. So he he said basically that people were coming at him, or rather, new fans were coming to find Neil Gaiman and the Sandman because it was it's on Netflix now as a TV show, and it started off you know as this comic book and the story that he came up with when he was 26, and so it's just and he backed up the people saying look they're new fans and you can enjoy the story uh in any format whatsoever it doesn't have to be the original and that because it's just the story and he made the story so that he could share it with more people and it's just in different formats because it's more accessible in that way and he just wanted to grow it that way and i just i that's so beautiful to me and he's one of the really good, one of the, my favorite artists, period, but one of the really good people, which is like, hey, I wrote, I'm a straight white dude from the past, and I wrote this stuff in the past. So when it gets updated, sometimes it's better. It's better for being updated. It's more inclusive. There's more diversity. Yeah. It's a better mm -hmm. story. Like, so more people are going to like it, and that's a good thing. And he defends a lot of those changes because, like, a lot of his stories did have a, just a bunch of white people in it. And yeah, now it doesn't. Did. And a lot of white dudes, right? Like, is it another portion of yeah, it? Yeah, specifically, yeah. And, yeah. and like, a lot of people are upset. I'm not going to say spoilers about it. It's very good. I recommend you check it out and the original. But, like, there were some characters now that are, are female that were, that were male before. And people are throwing a fit. But there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of evidence in the comic book 
to support it. So even if you're just gatekeeping yeah. on that level, mm-hmm. you're wrong. But then also, it's just like a way more interesting character that way. And he was like, yeah, it's just it, like it should have been should have been a chick from the beginning. So grow the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I just I do respect Neil Gaiman for that. Uh, and a lot of other fandoms that that throw hissy fits about that stuff. I just. I, I we've talked about it a little bit in the past where like I talk about like I love Superman and people who get really racist and gatekeeping mm-hmm. about Superman and homophobic about Superman's son are like mm-hmm. did we not grow up reading the same Superman comics like <laughs> it just goes to show like up to interpretation like with any yeah. artist so yeah it's, people it's will whatever look at the you same thing take out of it and mm-hmm. that's what like English degrees do basically is they just analyze work and I would hope I don't have an English degree but I would hope that like there is no wrong answer when you interpret something it's like you see this thing you think the creator was doing a b and c or that it represents a b and c and sure there might be an answer that the creator says but if somebody else interprets it another way it's like it's the whole death of the author kind of mentality it's just i mean it's it's also just a design problem it's you meant to design this for one specific purpose but somebody else is going to look at it and go, like... It's like that fork situation in Ariel. Like, obviously, it's a fork you're supposed to eat with, and she looks at it, and she goes, Oh, it's a comb! (laughs) Yeah, it's a thingamabob. (laughs) You can, like, maybe, like, comb your hair with it. So it's like... You can't... Unless you put, like, instructions or something on it. Like, it's not, like... It, it everything isn't as obvious as you think it is that you could always make it dumber or it, like simpler like, like the and... rage against the machine stuff happening here in america right yeah. now you know like you're like the right wing's yes. playing rage against the machine we're like did you know that this wasn't for us i can't believe it <laughs> it's like it's in the title bro but like and also <laughs> i mean if you want like a D analogy too if you really want people to not interpret you the way that you want it to be interpreted be a dm <laughs> for five minutes you yeah. will throw every fucking hint at your players you'll be like this this all caps this and then they'll be like oh that and then you'll be like oh how many times do I talk to you guys as a group, like when I introduce <laughs> mysteries, or I'm like, I specifically don't create red herrings anymore because you will you find shouldn't. your own. Yeah, you shouldn't create red herrings ever because the yeah the players will sometimes the players will come up with good like better ideas than you had, sure. and then you'll just be there behind the DM screen taking notes like, oh yeah, that's actually really good. I should probably do that. Yeah, my favorite thing is like when like you're so far off base that you're on a yeah. better base than what I had come up with. Yeah. Like, we're, we're like, they're like, oh, it's definitely this. And I'm like, no, you stupid idiots. What are you talking about? I never, I didn't see any of that. And then I go, actually, oh, that's just more interesting though. Let's just do that. Fuck it. <laughs> like yeah. my thing was done, crumples notes, burns them. Like, and even, yeah. even sometimes like, even when it is off base and I don't think it's dumb as much as like, it's not what I'm trying to do. I like my thing better, but you don't. You like the thing that you came up yes. with. So I I'm just going to go with yeah. your like, thing. Like it. You want the players to feel good. Like, you, you want them to interpret it. That's why I like d d mm-hmm. like It's like a constantly evolving almost art form in a way, whereas traditional media really isn't, and you can just adapt at a moment's notice. 
thank you, by the way, for bringing it back to D and D. As this is so a D and D show, I really this appreciate is a it. We just got like very emotional about fandoms, as I'm like almost crying about Superman, as I do once a day, anyways. But it's, it's a um, it's a good call to wrap this all up. Let's get into some fun stuff. Let's get into some BS. Lissa, what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you doing? That's not necessarily D and D related. Well, I mean, I just gave myself out for the topic that we covered. I'm watching The Sandman. Shocking. <laughs> what do you think of it so far? I'm really digging it. I'm a big fan of the original, too. I, I wasn't, but I became one over the years. I watched the first episode. I watched the first episode and I legit like gasped and I messaged um Deanna, our friend our friend of our podcast and I I just I we I I told her to go immediately go and watch it cuz we are huge fans of Neil Gaiman and I just it was it was perfect it was so <laughs> like the feeling you get when you're so excited because you know you're part of the fandom and they do something for that fandom and it was it was just i love that feeling and then i i because we made or she said rather that uh, she would watch them like she would savor neil gaiman and all the episodes <laughs> and watch them at one one by one and i was like i'll try to do that and then the second day i watched like three episodes in one go and i was like well shit <laughs> well <laughs> i tried that's what i thought i was gonna do with the good omens I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. I can, I can wait on this. And I'm like, no, I can't, no, I can't. I gotta but watch yeah, there all was, this. It's just there's certain scenes where you see them and you're just like, oh, and you and just like, your insides are happy. Like, <laughs> My favorite thing about Neil Gaiman is he writes such awesome fantasy. It's out there, but he's not afraid to tell love stories, and love comes uh, in yeah, so many different shapes that. And what my favorite thing, like growing up with Princess Bride, one of my favorite things in stories is a love story. And Neil Gaiman always puts in that. That's why I love Stardust. Nobody else likes Stardust. I love Stardust, especially like, the Stardust movie is version. Amazing. The movie yeah. is great. I fucking love the movie. I think the movie's better than the book, but still, like, like the, the aspects of, of love stuff always gets me. And so when I read Neil Gaiman, I just feel good, you know? Like, even when it's a bad part and, of the story, like, it's just such a breath of fresh air every and time. Not, and not just, like, not just like love it's just like friendship well that's part that's what i'm saying like not just yeah, like a romantic yeah, yeah. So, like, love but I, love I between just, people my, period one of my favorite stories by neil gaiman one of my favorite books of all time is the graveyard book oh great and it's and it's like it's so childish in a way that like but it's just so satisfying also like i don't care if it's meant for a younger audience but i like me as a 30 year old at this point like i love that book to bits it's just his storytelling technique like I, i'll say i don't like all of neil gaiman's stories like some of them are hit or miss for me sure, sure. but the graveyard book and the sandman comics oh i was gonna ask you like so what do you think of the comics like i know we don't talk a lot about comics on this podcast just me mm -hmm. just me going hey guys read, read comics um, but what do you think of the Sandman books? I think they are really good. I think they're very, they're very, like, the, the lore, kind of, and the, the world that he builds. He's very good at, like, building the world and creating, like, this mood in his stories. And, and I, I, I don't really know how to describe it, because I don't read that much comics. Like, I've read through, um, Watchmen. 
and okay. I've read through The Sandman, and I started reading Saga recently. Oh, Saga's so good. That's a great one yeah. to jump to. So we talk about the love yeah. stuff. Like, I'm like, it's all about friendship and romance, and ah, oh, yeah. God. So I'm very selective with my comics, but there's just something very, very satisfying about his comics. Brian K. Vaughn has a big Neil Gaiman-like portion to his writing. I don't know if it's an actual, like like piece of inspiration to him but i draw yeah. a lot of through lines between the two because i love both of their their collections but mm-hmm. we need to we need to do some sort of sandman spoiler cast when we're done with the show or we can just talk Ooh, about the, yes. the books too or we do a neil game and um, uh, book club or some shit <laughs> absolutely uh uh anyways uh char what are you <laughs> watching reading playing uh nothing neil gaiman <laughs> <laughs> I read one of his books Ooh. and I hated it. Which I book? read one of his books and I hated it. Uh, American Gods. Oh, but I don't, you know, I, I don't count. I don't like American Gods. He's a Gods. very varied author, so I'm not saying he's he's a bad storyteller author by any means. I just the one book I read so far I didn't like, so I'm taking a break and then I'm probably going to pick up one of the books that you guys have recommended to me and I've been recommended a lot. I've been recommending you know, Stardust and. I've recommended the Graveyard Book, and I've been recommended um, Good Omens. Good Omens is my favorite from him. I really like Sam because I like comics, but I I also I don't like American Gods show book. I don't I don't dig like the trippiness of stuff. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of those. Also, like there's like high key like I just didn't like the main character at all, and he he was so unlikable. And there is a line in the book that I had to dig up recently because I'm like, why didn't I like American Gods? And then I found my old review on Goodreads, and there's a part in that book where they, like, the character literally thinks about what a, I think it was, like, a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old, what she would look like in 10 years. And I'm like, that is the most disgusting thing that I've ever read. Was it in a sexual way? Yes. Ah, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that. And, like, the whole rest of the, I think it was, like, halfway through the book, and the whole rest of the book was, like, completely tarnished for me. Um, even though there were great parts of that book, but I like I couldn't forget that yeah. specific part. Yeah. But anyway, I won't. I won't. I. I. I Neil Gaiman's fine. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> haven't liked any of his stuff so far. But he writes so much that like I can't say, oh, he is the worst. Have you watched the Good Omens show? There. I've watched everything but the last episode. You you just like dropped off. You just weren't a fan of it, or? No, I liked it fine. I just never got around to it. And oh, by I this gotcha. point, I'm like, do I even want to watch the last episode? Yeah, <laughs> like, like I, if people go like, oh, I'll get back to it. I'm like, it doesn't sound like you will. That's okay. You don't have to like yeah, it. Yeah, you know, like... maybe one day. I mean, I liked it fine. I love David Tennant and Michael Sheen. They are. That's I why know, I was going to recommend them. I'm like, you love them. both of them. Like, I'm surprised that like wasn't like mm-hmm. top love, of your love, list. Love but... Yeah, like no, also love their love story in that, which I don't care what you have to say, <laughs> yeah. whether it's romance, friendship, it's a love story and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Way more beautiful than um, in the book too, and I love that book. So I haven't been doing any of that, even though I've been recommended the Sandman literally since it came out, which means I'm probably not going to watch it for a year. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> that's just how my brain. That's just how my brain works. It I'm just really came sorry. out last Thursday, though. I I've literally had three people message me about it already, <laughs> and they should know better. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I, that this is why I messaged Deanna because I was like, I know Shirley's not gonna watch it, so you, I'm just gonna hype with Deanna. Deanna is my hype buddy for I'm, game. I know better than to recommend yeah, anything to Shar that will make her not watch it. I need to incept it into her. You just gotta be her you can decision. Recommend me stuff. You just can't recommend me stuff that like everybody else has already recommended. Shar yeah, is a hipster, a and if someone it. tells her something that's cool, she will not enjoy it. She must find it on her own, no. and then let her tell you I'm about trying. it like it's I'm new. I'm trying. 
I'm trying to be better. It's okay. You'll get there. You got there with music. (laughs) You'll get there eventually with other stuff. Maybe. No, Possibly. this is this is the nail in the coffin. No, Me saying that maybe. again, she's gonna double down and be like, <laughs> "Fuck you." God damn it, no, I'm gonna be like this for the rest of my life. Fuck you. Um, speaking <laughs> of which, I'm re, I'm watching The Magicians right now. Oh, interesting. Did you did you come from that book series or just jump right into the sci-fi no. show? So I I watched the show right when it came out mm-hmm. in like 2014, 2015, but I didn't keep up with it. Like I remember liking it fine. I just never finished it. Yeah, I, I fell off somewhere in like season three, I think. Off. Yeah, I'm up to season four right now. Okay. And I I like it. I th- it's really fun. It's not the best show ever, but I re- it's really fun and interesting. And the way that they handle magic is very unique. And it's I I'm a slut for unique magic systems. So. <laughs> Anything that has any new take on magic, I'm all about from just a lore standpoint. I, I liked um, it better than the books. I, I definitely didn't. I wasn't a big fan of the books, but I love I've heard like, the ideas behind I've heard it. That. It's cool. I've heard that from a lot of people. And I want to give the books a go eventually, I think, just to give like give it the benefit of the doubt. But I, I'm enjoying the the series enough that it probably will take me a while to get to the books the only thing i kind of because i'm three i think i'm four seasons in now so i think i could say this the only thing i'm kind of iffy about is the show really relies on essay a lot Mm -hmm. like a lot of fantasy shows do and that's my number one gripe with it like the first time they did it they did it very well i would argue and like they they showed you know the ptsd of it they showed the aftermath which is always one of my biggest gripes is when a show shows essay but they don't show recovery yeah and it's all um, about the recovery from it which was exactly. really good but then they do and, it again and like... then yeah so and it's not even the same story that they're repeating it's like i so spoilers for the magicians it's not really like a big plot point but like as soon as they kind of um show the character who got essay kind of on an upward arc where she's finally getting over it she obviously you know you never fully get over it but like the majority of her hardship getting over she's it, working you through can it tell is almost done yes exactly um and then a couple episodes after that they there are two sentient boats <laughs> so this is how weird the show is which is why i like it there are two sentient boats and a pirate ship uh kind of goes on board another ship and they're both sentient boats and one of the things they said uh, when when they were negotiating the pirates to get off the boat they're like okay all of our, your negotiations sound great no bloodshed the only thing is we can't leave until our ship fucks your ship basically and i was like uh okay uh, and then obviously the other boat yeah oh yeah and the other ship did not consent to it <laughs> which was like it's like, what why was that necessary happening? at what? all? Like, why was that necessary at all to put in there? The, it, it ended up not happening, so the boat is okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, like, why was, that, why was that the story but why was that to a, tell, you know? Exactly. Exact, that was my big thing. I'm like, you already have covered this. You did it relatively well. Why do you have to get a, keep it, get bringing it up? And then they brought it up again in another. It was just, they keep bringing it up. And it's just like, okay, listen, there are other horrific things that you can explore. You've already covered this. And it's not saying that it only happens once and done. Obviously, it's very prevalent in our society. But from a narrative standpoint, and just it just seems lazy and also 
sometimes undermines what happened earlier. In and the there, show, it, you know it, it I mean? reminded me of the, like that thirteen-year-oldness of of so much of that comedy in the two thousands, where it's like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, it's like it's not, and they showed that it wasn't funny, funny, and they showed that it was serious, and like you said, they handled it relatively well compared to most yeah. of their media. Other shows. Yeah. So I'm like, so why do we need to do this again? I, I don't know that we necessarily needed it in the first place, but it like, why yeah. do you need to go back to the well with it? I, I was just so, yeah. so frustrated with that. that you're, yeah. you're, you're like blowing it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's the one thing I really don't like about the show, which is a hard thing to get over for a lot of people. I'll probably finish it because I'm one season away. But it's just a pattern that I notice that if anybody is thinking of starting the show, because I still think it is a very decent show, just go in knowing that they bring that up maybe more than is necessary. Yeah. And it was a it, even for the time, even for the time. And they, they try to make themselves self-aware. There's a lot of self-aware jokes in The Magicians, which are cringy at times. Other times they're fine. I think the show premiered in like 2014, 2015. So it's not that old. So you don't even have the excuse of it's like, oh, it was the early 2000s like no it was it was the mid 2000s but um all right sure i think it ended like a couple of years ago the final season yeah yep it's it is it is done um the elevator pitch right is it's uh it's like adult harry potter but also adult chronicles of narnia spoilers like they cover that as a big portion of it um but it's it's got some interesting stuff in there there's just a lot of problematic stuff when it comes to that portrayal um, I think it does a really good job of introducing that whiny emo boy who's like, oh, woe is me, and they beat th- beat that shit out of him, basically, as the series goes. Yes. Um, I-, I really enjoyed that aspect, um, mm-hmm. because that, you know, not to, to act like I wasn't like that, that was like me a lot when I was younger, but a lot of other boys, and when you read those stories, the Chosen Ones uh, bullshit, and they really just beat it out of him to the point where he's very unlikable and then everyone hates him and then they slowly build him into a better character which is pretty cool they don't do that in the book uh he just is yeah it's a big portion of why he sucks in the book Uh, yeah now i oh my god if i if i read that in the book maybe i'll wait a real long time before reading it because that's one of my biggest pet peeves of books is whiny protagonist yes yes he is the nice guy for way too long yeah yeah exactly the entitlement that was the best part about that that series especially like uh when he gets into like the romantic woes and they're like you just fucking suck bro like you're not entitled to her and he had Mm -hmm. to learn from that like this is cool Mm -hmm. show the growth of that because and a lot did. of other shows they would did. just leave past it, you know. Quentin's one of the best characters. one of the best characters in that show. Because he grew that from that, that whiny bitch reason. he was of he- like, oh, I'm entitled to people's bodies. Yeah, and like I really love in the first season where there are two characters. There's him and this other girl, and they they're both at fault for why their relationship fell apart. Yeah, but you could the show does not does not paint either of them as the good guy or the bad guy and why their relationship fell apart. And I'm like, this it tackles so many things so well. And every character is capable of both really great things and really bad things. Every character is morally gray. Every character goes through some shit that's real bad or real good. And it's it's a great show for that. But again, it just relies sometimes a bit. And it's a bit too blasé with some of the essay stuff. Not showing, but just kind of blasé throwing it around. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. 
if you'd like a full review, um, <laughs> I'll happily do it and post it on Patreon if people are interested. I'll rant about it. Um, I'd love to do that. For sure. <laughs> uh, to wrap it all up, I've been rereading Sandman, watching Sandman, uh, watching Better Call Saul from the beginning. I watched the Uncharted movie, which uh, was not good. Not as bad as I thought it would be, though. Um, I've been rereading Birthright, which is an awesome comic that I'll elevate or pitch here because I think everyone should read it. So it's written by, um, oh shoot, let me bring out the name, uh, Joshua Williamson and drawn by, uh, Andre Bresson. So the idea is there's a little boy and he's the chosen one, uh, isekai story to get sucked into this fantasy world and to save that world right so he's just a little boy he's playing catch with his dad in the park on his on his birthday and the dad throws the ball it falls into the forest he chases after it and never comes back his dad gets divorced from his mom because the cops kept accusing him of killing his son and it ruins like his entire life but there's no proof that he did it because he didn't do it the kid was sucked away to this fantasy world and the kid did go and succeed and become the hero in that world but time passed differently He's over there for what's like something like 34 years and becomes like the Conan in that world. Um, mm -hmm. And then comes back because some bad guys from their world came back to ours and he's got to return. And he's in jail and nobody recognizes him but his dad. And his dad's like, well, I'll help you find him, son. And Aww. is having like, it's really sweet, right? And the, like the mom doesn't believe him. And the mom married the investigator on the, th on the case originally too. So the dad's been, has become this like alcoholic and the older brother of the little boy is now the little brother because his brother is now like 30 and they go on this big fantasy epic. Um, but it's really, really awesome. I love the book. I had kind of forgotten about it. It did 50 issues and I fell off at like issue seven or something like that because that's right around when I had my kids. Uh, so I wasn't spending as much money on comic books. So it's been really fun to dive back into and it's one of the more novel um comic book uh ideas like pitches but also you don't see the fantasy stuff as much even in independent comics uh, it's not often tread on so having them cover a story that normally would just be in a novel is really really cool so i highly recommend it birthright it comes from skybound which is robert kirkman's company um and also image comics but so if you like invincible or uh the walking dead it's got a really high pedigree behind its production team and that's it for me. Interesting. Um, if you want, also, I sent you guys a bunch of emails. Uh, you have oh, the God. PDF to three, two, one action in your inbox. Lisa, I got the two that you sent. Yeah, you too. have the One Ring. Um, Shar didn't send that to you, but if you want, I can get you a copy too. But I doubt you'd be gross. interested. Yeah, I figured. No. I Excuse will... <laughs> you, you're gross. I will send you yes, some links to read it. Birthright because it's very good and you should. I know you won't, Char, because I've said that, but Lissa, <laughs> I know you're more selective with the comic books you read. It's up there. I highly recommend it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, that's it for the Cave Trolls. If you like this, head on over to campykillcreations.com. Check out all of our other podcasts and all of our other comic books and whatnot over there. And if you want to really support us, head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations. You can back us at a bunch of different tiers, get early stuff, bonus stuff, and uh, you can interact with us over there. Every little bit helps, keeps the lights on, the mics going, the chicken sandwiches in our pockets. We greatly appreciate it. Um, we don't need to read the full Patreon list this week. 
uh, because we already did the one for the month. But stay tuned for our Patreon producers, the mega level people that backed us at the $10 tier. Um, we have been <laughs> the Cave Trolls, and we're out. <laughs> Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one, Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond. 